0: just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply
1: hello I'm Scott Soschnick and I'm Evan Novi Williams and you're listening to the Sportacast
2: Mr. Novi Williams, how do you feel? Are your legs stretched? Is your lower back sore? How's the lumbar after how many days and hours driving home from Colorado?
1: The back feels tight. The lungs feel amazing. Scott, I understand why Olympic athletes train at 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 feet and then come down to compete. I went for a run on Sunday and I felt like Superman.
2: Right. So how long did it take you?
1: Uh, the drive itself, a little over twenty-four hours, I think, probably all told. And how many Into, stops? Uh, we did essentially m- the bulk of it in two days. Oh, that's so not not, not, too bad. not a lot of sightseeing. It was more or less uh, put your head down, get to the end of Kansas, get to the end of Missouri, and keep moving.
2: Now remember what you called me and I, was, my line was going to be, we're not in Kansas anymore, except you literally were in Kansas. Like, <laughs> I, I probably couldn't do was it.
1: Exactly in Kansas. Yes. A, uh, a lot of no time good. in Kansas. Kansas is big.
2: <laughs> Kansas is know. big. Yeah. Did, you know what else is big? Kobe. Kobe mm. is big. Did you catch any of the hall of fame stuff?
1: I did a, a little bit. Yeah. Um, Vanessa, what Bryant. a class, huh?
2: What a class really, of people going it, into yes, the of fame.
1: an impressive class. And, and Vanessa is an impressive woman herself. Um, and, and on the business side, Scott, I think this is where you're going with this. Uh, there's a lot of, a, a lot of speculation about what Kobe's estate is going to end up doing with a, a very popular, uh, shoe following that he's cultivated at Nike, he They officially broke from Nike a few months ago. I believe we talked about that on the podcast. Certainly a possibility they reunite at some point, but it also seems possible that Kobe Bryant's estate could be trying to do something on its own by taking his licensing, maybe some new trademarks, and putting out some new shoes.
2: Yeah, uh, you just wonder, can they create a Mamba brand? I was joking with somebody today. I'm like, why don't they make it the bigger baller brand you know, and really show up LeVar Ball? But uh, Kurt Badenhausen did a great story on what they might do, how they might move forward. And people in different facets of the industry said, even though it's Kobe and as popular as he was, it would be very difficult from multiple standpoints to create your old brand. Not only the money needed to invest to get it started, but the creative and the need to reinvest in the business on an ongoing basis, they said, makes it more than likely than not. That perhaps a reunion with with Nike would take place.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's particularly true for for shoes. Kobe's estate has already launched Mambasita, which is a, a kind of a new brand aimed at at women and children. I believe um, that's already come down the pipe. I think it's easier if you're talking about apparel to try to figure out. Okay, what does this look like? What what are the design capabilities? What's the supply chain look like? It's a little bit it's a little bit different with shoes. One thing about Kobe, Scott, you've always talked about this. He was tremendously popular, probably still is tremendously popular in China. Uh, I wonder I wonder if that is an avenue that they think about as, as really a growth, whereas a lot of NBA stars, even if the, the game is really popular in China, they don't have the resonance overseas that Kobe had for much of his career.
2: Yeah, and he certainly resonates with today's NBA players. I mean, Kobe's Nike shoes were the most popular signature model on the feet of NBA players during the 2019-2020 season. And I know you love the stats and I'm going to beat you to one because it sounds really smart if you know this one. So I'll say it and I'll beat you to it. But, and I, I if you had asked me, I would have said MJ outsells Kobe. But by, by this wide a margin, I never would have, I really wouldn't have. <laughs> so, do, you know, do you know the stat? You know I don't I'm going? know the stat. All right, so I'll ask you that. <laughs> All right, so, you know, Kobe started with Adidas. I mean, that, I always find that interesting because people forget. But after about six years, he went to Nike. So if I said to you, Michael Jordan outsells Kobe by what ratio? What to one is it Michael Jordan to Kobe Bryant sales for Nike?
1: Oh, man. Uh, let's go with a relevant number here. 23 to one. Oh, well, that was actually
2: really good. That's very good. 20, 20 to one, but I'm, glad <laughs> oh, that, at that. I'm not sure to give you credit or not because you just <laughs> took MJ's number. But I mean, it could have been 45 with the Wizards. So I'm could glad have. you went to 23. Very good. Yeah, but MJ outsells for Nike, outsells Kobe, twenty. To one, And on, on the macro scale, by the way, Nike has 86% of the uh, performance sneaker market. That's including the, the Jordan brand. 96% of the US retro business. Like It's not like Jordan is selling a lot of like new stuff. It's very big on, on the retro. Uh, and do we need full disclosure? If I say I am the proud owner of a black pair of Air Force Ones that I like to wear. Right. By the way, as you well know, I dress them up and I dress them down. I have my whole jeans, you know. I can do that, but if I do need to wear a suit, if I don't go with like my what what I think I have Cole Han or something like, like the uh, the sneaker looking shoe thing, but I like to wear my my Air Force ones with suits too. Whenever I wear a suit, which is not very often, as you know, but I just if I need a full disclosure to let everybody know that I do like my black Air Force ones.
1: There you go. These numbers, I mean, those are fascinating. Really show how how big the mode is right now around this industry. And Kobe, you could argue is, is, is one of the biggest, if not the biggest basketball stars of the past, uh, two decades alongside LeBron James. And, and if, if this is this difficult, if we think kind of the upward trajectory to do this on his own, or, or, or by on, on behalf of his estate, is, is this difficult? I mean, if, if Kobe Bryant, if, if that brand can't do this, what brand can? Maybe LeBron, and, and maybe not even that. that. That's how kind of entrenched, specifically Nike and, and Jordan brand, which are the same company, how entrenched they are in this market right now.
2: Yeah, Kurt's story pointed out that apparently, you know, Vanessa was unhappy with how much product Nike distributed during sort of Kobe's retirement period. Um, but doing it on your own, it's, it's not as easy as some would think, so not so sure. The big story, yes, but the biggest story in terms of dollars and cents, how about this, Evan? at t merging its media business with Discovery. I mean, this was sort of dominating all the business headlines, and as there usually is, a sports component for us to talk about.
1: Yeah, so 3 years ago was it Scott that AT&T agreed to buy Time Warner for for 85, only $85 billion dollars? Yeah, yeah, 85 billion. Um and this seems to be at least an, an, an admission that whatever the plan was back then is was not the right plan uh for for 2021. So forming a joint venture with Discovery as you said taking Uh, Warner Media, which from a sports perspective, Scott, includes Turner Sports, it includes Bleacher Report, it includes E-League, taking all of those assets and and creating a joint venture with Discovery. Uh, Two things jump out to me here, and and I'll let you take it away on whichever angle you want to take it. Discovery, extremely popular in, in Europe. They own Eurosport. Uh, they have, well, Olympic there was one of my angles across, across the <laughs> continent. Um, they have PGA tour rights and golf rights. I believe, um, certainly an interesting, probably a uh, aspect of what this means for sports TV broadcast in, in Europe. And then secondly, um, we've seen obviously the, the, the way that people are ramping up their budgets and spending. They've said that this joint venture is going to have a $20 billion content budget, uh, for reference. I believe Netflix is around the 17, $18 billion, uh, from a from a budget standpoint in terms of spending. So there is a lot of money. There's a big pool of money out there right now that they're willing to spend on content. And I would imagine a lot of that money is going to end up going to sports properties of some sort.
2: Yeah, and let's not forget that Disney owns Eurosport, which has the Olympic rights. So can you build, in Europe anyway? Discovery Can you combine those assets? Yeah, Discovery, excuse me. Discovery has Eurosport, right. So y- you wonder, like, how many things... Can you put together in the, in the U.S. sports assets, the European sports assets, and do I need to have it as a consumer? Uh, according to George Pine, you know, our friend George at Bruin Capital, quote, this deal has profound implications on the sports industry. The new entity can invest in adding more global sports rights to its NHL, NBA, MLB, PGA Tour, NCA Tournament, I need a breath, whew, content, and create a must-have sports streaming service. That's the key there. Create a must-have sports streaming service. Would you have to say, Eben? I gotta have all those things.
1: It's it's a it's a for at least in the U.S. Even it's a it's a compelling group you mentioned in there. The NCAA men's tournament, which Turner has essentially half of that it splits with CBS. Uh, playoff for the NBA, obviously playoffs with Major League Baseball. Uh, there's a new NHL deal that we've talked about in the past few weeks that's kicking in as well. Um, and yes, th- this is we're, we're in this age now where everybody is trying, rushing to stand up their own standalone services. Bleacher Report, which again is part of Warner Media, they've had BR Live for a few years now. It hasn't certainly has not hit the the level of sports streaming must have success that, that that a number of the other competitors have. But George is right. You're you're looking here at a at a grouping of sports assets that I think if combined would be a really compelling offering. And again, given that there's a, a twenty billion dollar annual budget for content, there's a really good chance that they could create a lot more interesting aspect or a lot more interesting rights within this bucket if they do go that route.
2: Well, it's about scale. I mean, Discovery Plus competes with Disney, Netflix. You know, you you, you gotta have some programming people want. We should say that the new company will be run by David Zaslav uh, of Discovery. I'd like to talk to him on the podcast. Should he get on that or uh, you want me to do it, but we should get him. And I always bring it back to what does this mean for the Sashnik household? Okay. And I wonder for you, for me, like I look at some of the things that are being brought together and this is a non-sports thing, but you've got like this combines HBO and CNN with Oprah's network and HGTV. So what does that mean in the Sashnik household? Does it mean more love it or list it? And if it means any more Chip and Joanna gains, like I'm going to have to kill myself because I, I just, that that seems like every time I walk into a room, it seems like Chip and Joanna are doing, they're either restoring a house or cooking something or at least in this house anyway, Chip and, Chip and Joanna rule the day.
1: Yeah, and it's funny that just talking about the diversity there, the kind of the pitch for so long from these big cable bundles was that it had something for everything. And yeah, there's also a way to think about a, a bundle here from from this Warner Media Discovery in which it has all the sports that some people in a household might want, and it has all the other things from reality TV shows to children's shows that that other folks in the household might want. So yes, there is certainly a diversity of content here that also makes this a a potentially really promising uh, streaming option as well.
2: Easy segue when you talk about diversity of content and scale. We can go right to our friends at Disney and ESPN. Big, big six months for them most recently a reworked MLB deal, a narrow package of games for Sunday Night Baseball. They picked up La Liga. I'll let you say the headline, if you remember, that we put on our story because I loved it. But if you thought they were going to, you know, ESPN was going anywhere in sort of the rights game, the live rights. No, no, no. That's their bread and butter. Uh, a big six months capped off by these two deals.
1: Yeah, you're not kidding, Scott. In 2021, they did this, the, the, the SEC college sports deal. That's a $3 billion deal. Um, they got a, an NHL package, $2 billion deal. You mentioned the MLB Renewer, $4 billion deal. They renewed the NFL package, which I, I think is a $28 billion deal. Hello, NFL. Uh, and then La Liga, uh, $1.4 billion deal. We should mention in there. They also essentially declined to pick up Syria A, so they've essentially traded the Ronaldo for the for the Messi in the in the European soccer. Uh, but yeah, let's. That start was with our La headline. Liga. I loved it. It was great. Yeah, let's start with La Liga. One point four billion dollar deal, eight year deal. Uh, this is both English and Spanish. There'll be games probably on the ESPN TV networks in addition uh, to ESPN Plus. And Scott, the largest overseas contract, or the largest American contract. For a European soccer league, a pretty massive one for La Liga.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, think about where they came from. Remember, La Liga's current broadcaster was Bein, and they took a bet years ago. They took the money in exchange for distribution, right? And here's another stat that that was in our story that I love. This first quarter of 2021. Did you take this one too? Were you waiting to pounce I, on this? I, one? I wrote
1: this down, but go ahead. Yeah.
2: Okay, so Bein averaged four thousand viewers a day. Four thousand. The second least watched network in front of something called Comedy Channel. Not Comedy Central, something called Comedy Channel. So there was absolutely zero audience in the US for what is a major property. Now you you just you just figure out like you're going to ESPN plus now think all the homes that's in um you wonder if you went back and asked, you know, with a little bit of a forecast as to where they would be in front of how many eyeballs. If folks out La Liga say, you know, maybe we should not uh, maximize the dollar signs here and play the long game and go for eyeballs and reach and scale and growth and popularity and see what that'll do down the line.
1: This deal was negotiated in part by Relevant Sports Group, uh, which is owned by Dolphins owner Stephen Ross. They, Suddenly remember, making La Liga Scott,
2: relevant again, you know, by, by no coincidence, <laughs>
1: in, yes. In 2018, formed a joint venture with La Liga to essentially handle all of their North American business. That includes content agreements. That includes events in the U.S. But the the big money maker there is clearly the the TV deal, as we see 1.4 billion. And Scott, something we talked about. A bit when, when UFC did its ESPN deals, just by virtue of partnering with ESPN for the live rights, you end up getting probably a bit more coverage on things like SportsCenter, on things like ESPN social accounts, on things like the ESPN.com website, uh, which is still tremendously popular. There's just a, a lot of additional exposure, not just in the fact that more people have access to ESPN than they have to be in, there's probably a lot more promotional, just media coverage that you get from being in the ESPN family. And La Liga will certainly benefit from that as well.
2: Without a doubt. And by the way, I forgot to close my windows. If there was some noise pickup, and I don't know if there is, but that's the New Jersey transit train going by my, uh, the back of my house there. So there was no horn. He didn't hit the horn. But just in case uh, anybody's like, what is that? Yeah, it's like, you know, Brewster's millions here, like right? the, the train in the
1: outfield. Does the house right shake when it goes by or no?
2: You, sometimes, you know, if I'm right near the station, so it's either usually slowing down or just getting mm. going. But on those express trains that, for whatever reason, skip my stop, and they're very few and far between. But if they are going full speed ahead, that one I do feel. So maybe I should get a break on my taxes. But you talked about like the the most lucrative US media rights deal. Now, how long will that last knowing that the EPL is now up for bid currently, of course, with, with NBC on NBCSN? That is a marquee property.
1: Agreed, and and yeah, I, I don't know exactly when that deal expires. I believe it's in the in the coming years. I would imagine that that maybe when that deal gets done, suddenly, at least on a per year basis, the EPL is suddenly back on top in terms of who has the biggest uh, overseas deal here in the U.S. Uh, but but no question, sport the soccer is growing in its popularity here in in the United States. There is a, a, a men's World Cup that is being hosted here uh, in 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 five years or so. Yeah, twenty twenty six. Uh, that'll be held across Canada, the U S and, and, and Mexico. That will certainly create a lot more excitement about the sport here in the U S it'll create names out of international superstars that maybe a lot of U S sports fans don't know. Uh, so yes, there, there's a big uh, there, there's going to be a ramp up, I think across the board uh, just for an interest in, in soccer. And as a result, the, the money that, that, that companies are willing to pay. And again, going back to the conversation you and I just had Scott about discovery and Warner media As this arms race for streaming and content increases, uh, there's increasingly bigger pools of money available uh, to buy these rights. So I I think the EPL will will very likely either overtake or do something very similar to La Liga. Um, But this is just the beginning.
2: Speaking of sports rights and value, verbal ellipse, go ahead. I'll say, by the way, just so you don't have to, his last name is Klyovkov. So... I'll let you take it from there. I just wanted to show that I could do it. So you take it from there.
1: A pretty surprising hire in college sports uh, at the end of last week, Scott, the the Pac-12, which has been looking for a commissioner to to replace Larry Scott for a few months now, uh, announced that George Klievkoff, a MGM Resorts International Executive, would would be taking over the job. There had been a lot of speculation in the past few weeks and few months about who the Pac-12 was talking to, who they were looking at, who it might be. I don't think I saw George's name pop up a single time time in, 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 all of those conversations. I saw Amy so they, Brooks. They, I remember Amy Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> they did a good job of at least keeping that part, uh, fairly quiet, but he's a guy who is not a college sports. He doesn't have a lot of college sports, direct experience. Uh, something that Larry Scott also did not have when he was hired by the PAC 12, about a decade ago, a lot of people thought they would maybe go a different route after that and maybe go back to a college sports lifer. They did not do that. Um, but he does have Scott, a lot of media experience and that is going to be, at least in the immediacy, I think, the most important part of his job. The Pac-12 is trailing its rivals. And, and by that, I mean the, the Big Ten and the SEC in terms of how much money it makes. And it's trailing its rivals because it does not make as much money from its TV rights. Those expire, I, I think, in 2024. Yeah, but I think we need to
2: describe. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. But, but we need to describe why they don't make as much. Be, you know, and, and you have spelled this out a number of times throughout the years in some of your stories. The other conferences like the Big Ten, Big 12, they went on and partnered with big entities like ESPN and Fox. So they took that big rights fee and shared ownership of networks and things like that. Larry Scott's vision, and I can't wait to see how it plays out because this will be, you know, be vindication or not, but the idea was, let's not do that. Let's not give anybody else any ownership of our rights. Let's hoard them because he saw sort of that hockey stick trajectory of the value of sports rights. So he said, let's own them all. Let's keep it in house. And then, so we're not going to sell them out. When these contracts come up, we will own the entire inventory, lock, stock, and barrel, and we will make out very well. Right now, with all these other stories we're talking about, Eben, The value of sports rights, he was right, is going up. The question becomes, where does the Pac-12 fit in all of that? Very strong in Olympic sports, but do you need to see UCLA, USC, Oregon football, basketball, those revenue drivers, who is willing to wager or to put up how much for the right to show those big schools and their big time sports.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. As, as a lot of these leagues, I mean, the, the big 10 is a big 10 network, which is a partnership with Fox and the ACC is the ACC networks, which is a partnership with, with ESPN. And so does the SEC. The, the PAC 12 did not go that route. There are PAC 12 networks. They are not partnerships with either Fox or ESPN or anyone else. So again, you're right, Scott in 2024, George Kleofkoff is going to be able to hit the market with all of the Pac-12 rights available to kind of do with what he pleases. And we may
2: eventually he's see- He's going to have uh, a good indicator though, Evan. Yeah. Evan. he's going to have a good indicator because that's one year after the Big Ten rights are due. So he'll get an indicator to see where those college sports rights are.
1: Yeah, and I believe it's also one year before the, the Big 12 uh, rights are up. So th- there's going to be a kind of a run in there. And and yeah, we'll we'll see in in that time. Um, kind of where the Pac-12 sits, but but no question, this is a hire, someone who has a lot of live event experience from his time at MGM, but also a lot of media experience. This is a hire aimed at, at someone who understands the way that media is changing, the way to think about those deals in 2021 moving forward, and hopefully someone who can monetize those rights in a way that they have not done in the past.
2: In the report that tied the NBA executive Amy Brooks to the possible job they spoke of maybe splitting the job in two and having sort of co-commissioner one person to handle the business side and somebody else to deal with be the liaison between the conference and the schools and the athletic directors. Haven't heard that that was in the works now, but I guess you could always bring somebody in if you needed sort of so- an intermediary with that college experience who has lived the AD life and knows them all. Um, maybe, I mean, you can certainly do that. But in that falling behind, I just wanted to throw some of the numbers that you generously always put out there. Um, the the Pac-12 schools got 32 million from the conference in fiscal 2019. So 32 million, ACC 29 million, sort of on par. Here's where the difference is when we say they're falling behind. The Big Ten 55 million, the SEC 44 million. So significantly more money to those other conferences, which can then reinvest in whether, you know, what do they spend it on? Whether it's coaches or facilities, and then you get the great edifice race and and you get the arms race in college sports. And if you fall behind, it's awfully hard to catch up.
1: Yeah. And those numbers that you gave, Scott, that doesn't include the aforementioned uh, CBS SEC deal that we're talking about yep. and obviously does not include whatever the Big Ten is going to do with its next media rights package, which is going to be a pretty massive increase. So there's, both those rival conferences are going to get increases, bumps before the Pac-12 gets, gets to their chance. So no question. Th- those are the numbers that they're looking at. The Pac-12 has not won a college football championship in a very long time. The basketball, men's basketball, that side of the conference outside of UCLA's run this year has not been particularly good on a national scale. And as you know, those are, those are the sports that make the money. So if it is a problem of not falling behind so much that you can't catch up, being able to generate more money from your TV is a good way to, to kind of narrow that gap.
2: He is Eben Novi Williams of the cross country driving Novi Williamses on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Sashnik on the Twitter at Soshnik. Social media coordinator Cora Veltman makes me say, likes me to say, <laughs> that the show can be found at Sporticast, which is the centerpiece of what will become the Sportico podcast network.